politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman seeking and yearning to breathe freely once again to the CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. Today is Thursday, and we are still in the fight of our life, as we will be tomorrow. We are confronted, as we've been talking about the last number of months, with a degree of totalitarianism I don't think any of us could have dreamed of. I mean, some of you maybe did. Not only do we have the totalitarianism, but we have a government that created a virus to be used as the impetus for the totalitarianism to kill and maim people at the same time. And then the more they use the tools of totalitarianism, the more it makes the virus worse commensurate with taking away our liberty. So it's a double pandemic that we have. We are not a free people. This is all designed. Everyone's like the end goal is to get everyone vaccinated. That's true. But that is not the end goal. The end goal is to have a submissive people that they can do anything else they want to them. If you think, let's just say a miracle happens and this just ends tomorrow. If you think this is over, you have not been paying attention. But thankfully, those you guys have been paying attention. But I need you to make sure others are. So please send this show to all your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, let everyone know where to subscribe. There's a lot to start out with uh, today. First off, I want you guys to exercise the one right you do have, which is the right to defend yourself. Um, Well, you might be prosecuted, but at least own a gun, carry a gun. The problem now is that basically ammo is so expensive, and you wonder if there's manipulation going on there, that people cannot afford to down three, 400 rounds in one practice at the range. That's why I recommend iTarget Pro. Um, you know, we're, we're getting into the Christmas season. It's a good gift to give away to a friend too. Uh, basically within the privacy of your own home, you could put a dummy laser bullet in that fits all of your, um, pretty much all of your firearms, handgun, rifle rounds, and they have a propriety app that you take your phone, you shine it on this target they give, and it will render your shots as if it's real. The accuracy, the stance, the sight alignment, the grip, it all comes into play, that muscle memory. It's terrific for practice. Um, you, you save 10% off plus get free shipping with offer code CR. So if you go to itarget.com, okay, that's I-T-A-R-G-E-T pro.com, offer code CR, you can get for less than a hundred bucks. You'll basically make back with one round of training that you didn't go to the range. You will make back that money. And then, you know, especially for those of you who are coming on our front site trip, looking forward to seeing you guys October 31st, you're going to learn a lot of muscle memory. You really need to follow up and practice. This is the inexpensive, convenient way of doing it. So, you know, I was thinking last night, Back to this theme we've been talking about. How when you have central tyranny, the only choice you could really harness is to try to decentralize that tyranny and use the existing structure of different state and county governments to try to fight back. And how despite the fact that we are dealing with 
the worst, the worst tyranny of all time, there really is no pushback, even in the red states. So there's a lot to talk about. I want to talk about connecting the dots of the gain-of-function research, Peter Drazik, the NIH, um, UNC, Chapel Hill, and then not just the vaccines, but Mulpervirnir and Remdesivir. It all ties together. But I want to make sure we have time for our, one of our action items today, and it's my big action item. But just to preface it, I want to give you a story from Liberty University. There's this first-year medical student at Liberty U. Now, Virginia is no longer a red state, but my gosh, Liberty University was the red Christian university, okay? There's a legacy uh, family, you know, with like three generations at Liberty University, they have a son, first-year medical student, and he was, classic case, this is happening everywhere, he was sitting within a certain number of feet of someone who got COVID. Now, the guy who got COVID was vaccinated. Because he's unvaccinated, they're basically pressuring the hell out of him to get the shot, and in the meantime, they're saying he can't come for two weeks, he has like the best scores in the class now. Um, and they're destroying his career. This is the same thing happening in left-wing universities, but it's happening at Liberty U. The same policies. The mandatory quarantine, but only if you don't have the shot, even though all the cases are coming from people who do have the shot. Now, I don't know if he had prior immunity or not, but that's irrelevant to this discussion. So I lit them up on Twitter yesterday, and we'll see what happens there. But the point is, even our own people aren't fighting back. So let me give you an idea I developed last night with a friend of mine, representative, a state representative, Jay Stagel. Um, he's an Oklahoma legislator, chairman of the Veteran Affairs Committee. He's been in the Oklahoma National Guard for 20 years. And we came up with the following idea, specific for the National Guard, but it's emblematic of everything we need to be doing to push for making red states red and then making them strong and then eventually making them as independent as possible in pursuit of a national divorce. But also reflects on many other, many other issues as well. The plan that needs to be developed. With every action, there's a reaction. Anyone who understands martial arts and jujitsu, you know, with, every, with each offensive of your opponent, well, it could harm you, but it could also be used if it's pro if it's deftly and properly jujitsued, it could be used against them. Okay? That energy could be directed towards your nose, or it could be directed elsewhere or against the assailant himself. And one of the things that's happening here is basically they're kicking out all of our people from Every job that matters. It could be military. It could be education. It could be healthcare. It could be anything. And it's devastating. And I'm certainly I, I, I thankful to God that I don't have that predicament. But a lot of people do. And they, they're confronted with that predicament in all 50 states. Okay? Certainly if you work for the federal government... In Montana, I'm assuming they're abiding by it. Montana is the only state that barred private businesses categorically, my understanding categorically, I think. 
there is some exemption there for uh, nursing homes. I don't know if it's more extensive to all of healthcare. That would be a problem. But why is there only one red state? One that we've done that. Every state needs to have the Montana bill. So that, that's going to be our biggest action item just to, from the get-go. We're going to be pushing with all our strike force teams. And again, you could sign up at conaction.network to be a coordinator for one of our teams. I have enough people. I just need the coordinators to call for a meeting. I'll give you the names. And you could work with three, five others as leaders to divide them into groups and have lines of communications, how you communicate together, and come up with three to five achievable items to push in your state legislature. Among other things, and elections, and that's going to be all up to you. I cannot babysit it. All I can do is be a matchmaker at this point. But basically, every other state now, between the federal workers and the so-called private workers, the only red state protection you have are state workers. Okay, If you're a state, ironically, if you're actually a government worker in a red state, you're better off than the so-called private sector in a lot of spheres. So the only difference is whereas in New York and California, maybe it's 90% of workers are screwed. In these states, maybe it's 40 to 50%, but it's a heck of a lot of people. But there is a blessing in disguise. Is the military still worth serving in? The, no, the military is gone. It's an anti-Christian, feminist, transgender, social work, racist nuthouse. And, and it pains me to say this, but... It, it, it's a dead carcass. There's nothing you can do with it. The healthcare system is a dead carcass. So even if you could retain your job, but what are you retaining? You're retaining pure hell. Same thing with education. Every industry, everyone bar none, has been taken over by the maggots. God is forcing us to do surgery. They're kicking us out of it. The question is, is there a way that in the red states we could find landing places for people and use those people, those people that are willing to sacrifice and not get the clot shot? They're obviously the smartest doctors, the smartest nurses, the most committed ones. I would love to start a healthcare sector around them. I would love to start a military around people that are willing to stand up for the values. Well, what if I told you I had a plan to go and get those people jobs, bulk up state militaries in a way, an oppressant that we already have, and start the buddings of a state military that we, and a state militia that we need anyway for other future endeavors, and then mimic that in other spheres? So I want to get to that today and push that out as an action item. But first, a word from our sponsor, it used to be private companies and private citizens used to be private. The internet has changed that. Everything you browse, everything you search, everything you watch reminds me of the 1980s song, The Police. We'll be watching you, right? So I can't believe that until this year, everything I browsed was just totally owned by the government. Oh, whoops, I mean big tech. Oh, same thing. Okay. But to keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. With the click of a button, one subscription, I got all of my devices protected as if it has a mask, literally. 
It masks your IP address, and unlike the surgical masks for COVID, they actually work. It makes you anonymous online, makes it much harder for them to track. If they can't track you, they can't sell your data, and they can't earn money, and that's a good thing. The best part of ExpressVPN is how easy it was to use. I am very resistant to like new programs on my computer because I'm horrible at tech and I mess things up. And this was just, wow, okay, it was just a click of a button. Why did I wait so long for doing this? It is amazing. Um, and it's it's truly, so it, again, it, it's, it gives my IP address a random uh, number and um, it just makes it much more difficult for third parties and anyone else to harvest my data. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Go to expressvpn.com slash conservative to get an extra three months free. Okay, really, you should pay a ton for for uh, you know something like this. But it's expressvpn.com slash conservative. Go to expressvpn.com slash conservative. Never allow big tech to spy on you ever again. Okay, so here's the idea. Very simple. The military is screwed. If you're a governor, it's very hard to protect federal workers, and I don't expect anything of them. What are they going to do? They're federal workers. The military, the Marines, right? The Air Force, Army, Navy. I get it. I get it. Now, that's not an excuse for them not acting on the so-called private businesses. That's the Montana bill needs to be done. But I want to get back to the military. There is one branch of the federal military, so to speak, that's not really federal. And it's run by the governor. The same way the president is the commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces, the governor is the commander-in-chief of his respective state militia, a.k.a. today's National Guard. Now, we all know there is a provision based on the Constitution where they could federalize it for insurrection, other emergencies, under Title 10 of current federal law, to federalize it. But by default, they're under Title 32, and that is state-run. And except for a handful of soldiers on very certain missions, 95% of the National Guard is Title 32. Why is it that to this day, there are people in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, they're like, oh, we don't have a mandate. Yes, you do. They are state workers. National Guard is state. De facto. We'll get to in a minute, oh, but what if he calls Title 10? But right now, right now, they are state workers and in all 50 states. They are losing their careers and being told to go home from the National Guard, dishonorably discharged for not getting the clot shots. That's happening right now in Oklahoma. We're dealing with a case where people filed for a religious exemption and just filing it, they kicked them out. They didn't indulge it. They didn't deny it. They just said, you're out. This is what's happening in Oklahoma. And it's happening in all 50 states. What needs to happen is very simple. Every Republican governor, and you need to call them, call your attorneys general, call your state legislators to get them on this. Every governor needs to sign an order to the adjunct general, that's a two-star major general that runs the state's National Guard, and say, the, the 
All disciplinary actions must run through the chain of command of the governor. They are not subject to DOD's order. They are not subject to that. They're subject to the governor. They just never got on the field. So by default, they just kind of go along with it. The adjunct generals go along with it. You say you shall not listen to the DOD memorandum. You shall not. In fact, I will fire you and any of your subordinates that enforce it. There will be no, all disciplinary actions must go through the governor. And there will be no disciplinary actions for not getting the shot. No intimidation. No mandate. No threats. No nothing. No religious exemptions because you don't need them. There is no mandate. There will no be, be no mandate. Imagine if we had 25 governors do that tomorrow. Do you understand what that would do? The momentum that would create, the inflection point it would create. And they have 100% authority to do that. Done. Now you might be, oh, what if he declares Title 10? Dude, that, in a big, that, would, that would be unprecedented. He would have to declare every National Guard in all states indefinitely under Title 10 federalized. In some ways, I would want him to do that. That would finally push the inflection moment we need in this nation. Built around battle lines of state sovereignty, which is exactly where we want. We want to force this administration to treat the red states in rebellion. Because they are anyway, but they, they just don't know it. We need to force the, these governors to fight. Force it on them. By the way, just a separate point. More than any other government agency, most others say, oh, because the FDA has now approved one shot, you have to get the shots. The memorandum of the National Guard specifically says, and this is true of all the military, really, that it's only the approved shot, okay? Only the approved shot. This is from the August 24th memorandum. Mandatory vaccination against COVID-19 will only use COVID-19 vaccines that receive full licensure from the FDA in accordance with FDA-approved labeling and guidance. Okay, it's a very strong language. It's not just like, oh, because there is one that's approved. No, the mandate could only be fulfilled through the getting of the one that has licensure. The reason that is is because they have a long-standing policy in the military because of the Gulf War syndrome with other vaccines that they're not going to play around with experimental stuff. Okay, that's where it comes from from 1991. Okay, I don't know why nobody is pushing this. But it's straight up there. Straight up. As you well know, there is only one shot that has licensure. License number 2229. From the FDA, and that is Comirnaty. That's BioNTech's version of the Pfizer shot, which is not available commercially. It doesn't exist. Pfizer does not have a license number. There's one license number, 2229. It's not for Pfizer. It's not for Moderna. It's not for j and It's not for AstraZeneca. It is for Comirnaty, which does not exist. That's another point the governors need to make. And that will really draw attention to all of the military 
and then everyone else as well. I don't understand why that has not been an issue. It is not approved. And in fact, it's on... There is... Where is this? Footnote 9 in the August 23 letter to Pfizer. Right? So the license number is the letter to BioNTech community. Pfizer was a separate letter extending the EUA. Okay? We're extending the EUA. That's what it was. Footnote 9 says in the August 23rd, 2021 revision, FDA clarified that subsequent to the FDA approval of community for the prevention of COVID-19 for individuals 16 years old and older, this EUA, right? So they're saying we approve community and this is the letter to Pfizer. This EUA would remain in place for Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for the previously authorized indication and uses, the previous one. So the one they say community and they say in parentheses, they call that COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. And then they say the EUA will remain for Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Well, that's the one everyone gets that's available. That is an EUA. You could take that to the bank. That is a fact in black and white, and that has not changed in the subsequent five weeks. I checked with Robert Malone today. Hey, did anything get updated? Did they play game? No, same thing. But back to the governors. This is their chance. They could protect them right now, everyone in the National Guard. Let me add another dimension to that. If they're worried about eh, kind of like a half federal control, Title 10 or whatever, which in itself would be a great fight to have, guess what else they can do? Have a state militia. That might sound funny to you, but do you know that it exists in one state, in Texas? Texas has a National Guard, and they have the Texas State Guard. So the Texas National Guard, Texas Air National Guard, and then they have a third branch called the State Guard. The states could just, if I were them, I would just take every person that's not vaccinated within the national, if they have to, if step one doesn't succeed, and convert them into a new branch in the State Guard. And they have every constitutional right to have that, and it can't get Title 10 can't get federalized. We have, you, you need a guard for us, here's, here's the National Guard for, for you federal uh, deployments, for your federal... Uh, excursions and folks we need that anyway and then guess what then all of the people let's say you're the oklahoma governor all of your oklahoma residents that are in the marines and the air force navy army that got kicked out that you can't protect invite them to join the oklahoma guard protected from the fourth reich and guess what? Now you have your own state military forces. Imagine if we had Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, the Dakotas, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah. Do all of that as well. You see where I'm headed here. It's the perfect opportunity. You know, we start creating, they're like, why are you creating your own military? Well, you kicked our guys out. This is the perfect excuse to do something that, frankly, is a good idea to do anyway. How about that? Again, this is our action item. Every governor, how could your National Guard be subjected to this? Why aren't you issuing an order? You said, 
that all state workers are, are you know, you're not going to have a vaccine mandate while you have it on your National Guard. Title 32, they are under the governor's control. Get that word out to everyone. But I just want to extrapolate, this should be done. I would invite, first of all, I would use the COVID money that they got from the feds rather than marketing the stupid vaccine, which is what every red state Department of Health is doing, all of them, all, all 50 states. Pay for unemployment benefits for the federal workers that got lost their jobs in your state. I would say the private ones too, but that shouldn't be happening because you should be banning that. And then transition them into high, specifically find ways to hire them for health care, if they're health workers, education, if they're education. Again, I don't like bloated government, but that ship has sailed. And they're, they have billions of dollars. It will be either used against us or for things that we believe in. So it's may as well use it on our people. And folks, if we were to do that, we now have a better system than we wound up with before COVID. Now we have red state, red workers in red states with a mission. And that will be the buddings of the national divorce. So that is certainly a good way to get around this. Um, I want to move on to a lot of, we have a lot of other things today. Um, I, I want to just point out to you, <clears throat> there is an hour-long lecture given by Peter McCullough at the AAPS, American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, the best medical group in the country. They had their annual confab. I wasn't able to attend it. Um, it, it, it go to Rumble and but just put in Peter McCullough winning the war against therapeutic nihilism and trusted therapeutics versus untested novel therapies. That hour speech is like the best speech ever given on informed consent and medicine and then kind of sums up the whole state of affairs. He speaks very quickly because he gets in like three hours worth of material on his slides in one hour and 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but he has the slides, he has the sources, all the stuff on the vaccines, everything. It's all there. Um, again, Rumble, Peter McCullough winning the war against therapeutic nihilism. I want to share with you just um, a couple other, couple other stories. We had this case I mentioned before in Modesto, California, where this guy, a member of this, I don't know if he listened to the show or someone who knew him, but basically he was one of these guys, got into the hospital, not doing well, but the sats were still in the 90s, said you have to take remdesivir, he said no, and then they said we're going to we're gonna put you on a ventilator. Sats in the 90s. Um, and, and it was a nurse friend of his that tried to advocate, and the nurse got a hold of Ryan, of, of Henson, Henson got a hold of Ryan Cole, but their hands were tied. There wasn't much they can do. It took forever to get the guy out. And then, obviously, during that time, he rapidly crashed. And by the time this nurse got her to got him to her home, you know, she didn't have the stuff. She only had a little bit of oxygen, but not enough. And the guy was crashing and had to take him back. And he died. And they got in there. They gave him remdesivir. And he died a day later of a pulmonary embolism. I don't even know if he was given uh, Lovenox or even aspirin. Who knows? Um, 
I have no doubt that had one of our A-team guys been on the ground, had Ryan been on the ground there, he could have probably saved his life even at that late stage. But, you know, it was just, I mean, we were just so pissed off yesterday. And basically, I, I asked uh, Henson, I was like, well, didn't he take ivermectin? He said he had ivermectin all right, but he gave it to his daughter. And it just ripped my heart out. His daughter got sick too, and he gave it to his daughter, and she got better. We have a drug that is so freaking cheap off patent. If not for the games, Edenbridge already has enough to supply the world. We could have ramped up. We could have given everyone a life supply for free, and now because of what's going on, it has to be rationed. And he had enough for his daughter, but not for himself. Damn these people to hell just sick sick what is going on um another story we have a listener jeremy okay jeremy emails me um with a terrible story faithful listener to your podcast my sister's mother-in-law just passed away from the aftermath of covid first she was denied antibody treatment meaning the monoclonals even though she was healthy and the primary caregiver of her wheelchair-bound husband who has MS. Later, after her case got worse, she was hospitalized with pneumonia, and the nurses forgot to plug in her breathing machine, caused a lung to collapse. After that, she went downhill, was put on a vent, and died an hour ago. This was yesterday. It's just again and again and again. Not a single person should die from this. If we have enough warning and prevention to protest and mask and this, and screen. We should be able to catch every case on day one, and every primary care physician should be treating this. But then again, they control them. They're picking off the doctors one by one, and now no doctor wants to treat it. It's the kiss of death to treat it. I love, you know, you know what they do? They say they censor, block, intimidate, cut licenses, and then they're like, 99% of doctors agree the vaccines are safe and effective. It's like, it reminds me of um, Saddam Hussein used to have elections. And it was like, he got 99% of the vote type of deal. That's what's going on in this country now. That's what's happening. They put a gun to your head and like, oh, everyone agrees. Safe and effective. That's how sick this is. What's going on in this country? Pure needle rape. But I want to get to the nexus. The most important question at this point is who was behind the creation of this virus? And the reason why that's important is because if you understood the players behind the creation of the virus you will know that they are the same ones behind the solutions. And in fact, the solution was the problem. They wanted the solution. They wanted it, and that's why they created the virus. And you will understand what's coming next. And you will understand why you can't trust anything they put out. And that includes the Mulpervirnir, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Merck's drug. UK Telegraph article. Wuhan and U.S. scientists plan to create new coronavirus. 
Scientists from Wuhan and the U.S. were planning to create new coronaviruses that did not exist in nature by combining the genetic codes of other viruses proposal show. Documents of a grant application submitted to DARPA, that's under DOD, leaked last month reveal that the international team of scientists planned to mix genetic data of closely related strains and grow completely new ones. A genetic expert working for the WHO who uncovered the plan after studying the proposal in detail said that if SARS-CoV-2 had been produced in this way, it would explain why a close match has never been found in nature. Okay? This was a grant application in 2018. Okay? We will compile sequence RNA data from a panel of closely related strains and compare full-length genome scanning for unique SNPs representing sequencing errors. Consensus candidate genomes will be synthesized commercially using established techniques in genome length RNA and electroporation to recover recombinant recombinant viruses. Okay? Now, who was behind this? So as you well know, In 2014, Congress passed a law barring gain-of-function research. Okay, they understood it was extremely dangerous. You're basically creating a bioweapon-level thing in order to create whatever your your vaccine or whatever you want to do with it, which, again, it's usually going to be a vaccine. So, you know, one of the few good things Congress did, they barred gain-of-function research. Now, as you well know, we don't have the rule of law. We have the rule of political will. And the people who have the power get to do whatever the heck they want. So, basically, what happened was, in this case, twenty-eight uh, Fauci was tra- railing against this forever. He hated that you couldn't do gain-of-function research. This was his whole, you know, purpose of existence. Okay, so he was just, you know, he was just beside himself so ticked off about this whole business. So a lot of his players, a lot of his players went ahead and they submitted different proposals. Now this proposal was supposedly rejected or didn't go through, but likely other ones did. Okay, so this was a 2018 proposal. Now who, it was a proposal to do this sort of research, to go into the caves with the bats and inject them with stuff and create this new SARS-CoV virus at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Okay, that's all in the proposal to DARPA. It's all available. UK Telegraph has the document. And it was done by none, none, none other than Peter Drasik. He's the man at the center, uh, Dasik, D-A-S-Z-A-K. He's the head of this EcoHealth Alliance. They're behind all of the gain-of-function research, and it was sponsored by the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Remember UNC. Okay, keep that in mind. Dasik and UNC. Oh, and by the way, just um, the, the lead... Um, the lead guy with this proposal, with the study for Dasik, was Ralph Barrick, listed in the proposal, 
who happens to be the one collaborator and gain and function researcher. And he's the guy with the lab at UNC Chapel Hill. Okay, just remember that. So at the time, cables, uh, the, the U.S. Embassy in Beijing sent cables warning about the research that showed the various SARS-like coronavirus can interact with ACE2, the human receptor identified for SARS coronavirus. Right, that's what causes so many problems. And basically what the proposal was, a 14 million grant request, had some really nasty things in it. Really nasty things, targeting immune boosting, to characterize the spillover risk of SARS-CoV, uh, QS is the one Institute of Virology team will test bat, fecal, oral, and blood samples for SARS-CoV-S by PCR. We will collect viral load data from fresh fecal pellets. SARS spike proteins will be sequenced. Viral recombination events identified. The University of North Carolina team will reverse engineer spike proteins of a large sample of high and low risk viruses for further characterizations. The strain viral spike uh, glycoproteins will be synthesized and those binding to human cell receptor ACE2 will be inserted into SARS-CoV backbones. Okay? Now, I'm not doing this justice because this is way over my head, but if I had a guy like Ryan Cole co-hosting with me now, he could literally go over this with you. This proposal, what they conceptually proposed, this is what SARS-CoV-2 is. This is what it does. Okay, this is what has killed several million people in the world and, and you know, damaged for life millions of other people. This is the thing. Okay? So clearly... Whether it was this proposal or another one, this is what they did, and these are likely the players behind it. That is a fact. Okay? Dasik, UNC, Dr. Barrick, NIH, Fauci, through the Wuhan lab. This is not a China virus. This is a United States Big Pharma NIH virus. Let's be very clear. The Chinese had the venue because they had to do it overseas. Chinese, I'm sure, knew about it, were involved in it. Again, my father, he, he will say to his dying day, he always went on China to business. His last trip ever was September 2019. I forget what day. September, remember, that is the month where China was doing the war games, and a lot of people think that's when they released it. There's a lot of evidence it wasn't released December. It was released September at a minimum, um, they never did this before. They were diverting people on his plane into a line, and they were checking their temperature. They had never done that in all the years he went to China. Okay? September. Now, remember, September is also the time when our friends at the Bill Gates Foundation went ahead and invested enormous sums of money in BioNTech and Moderna, two companies that never had brought a product to market. So just remember that. You read the technical proposal in 2018 from DASIC, EcoHealth Alliance. It has a number. This is for DARPA. Okay. And it is clear. It is clear this is 
SARS-CoV-2. This is what we are, it, it, it is chilling reverse engineering this. The grant application is 75 pages long. It's very technical. But if, if you got one of these guys to go through it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's the virus. Now, just the fact that they were openly submitting proposals, what do you mean? Doesn't federal law ban gain of function? It doesn't matter. It tells you they were doing it anyway. And that's the point, which gets me to another point. Rahim Kassam put out a great article, Natalie Winters and Rahim Kassam. Rahim has this website, thenationalpulse.com. Pfizer lobbying hits decade high as dozens of high-profile political appointees become big pharma reps. They do great reporting, and they name both Republicans and Democrats. They're people who worked for top congressional committees and and, and members, people who worked for top, in, in the White House, multiple Republican-Democrat administrations, and they list 77 of them. No, 102 two of them who work for Pfizer and Moderna. Now, when you think of Pfizer and Moderna, you think of like scientists, right? You know, chemists, scientists, doctors, 100 political dudes working for Pfizer and Moderna. Remember, folks, it ain't about the science. It's about the political science. Now, getting back to what we know, coming full circle. So again, likely the vaccine producers were involved in the gain-of-function research that created the virus. And then we have remdesivir, which is the only therapeutic. It came from UNC. It came from UNC. That same lab. And the precursor to Malpervirnir was also funneled through UNC. It was Emory University with this Beckenbridge or whatever um, company in Florida. Then UNC was involved in it, and then somehow Merck got a hold of it. You know, back then it was EIDD. The drug's been around for a while, conceptually. It's been around. And boy, oh boy, does it have problems. So everyone's like, all these, see, these people are so stupid. These Teletubbies. I mean, even in my own, I shouldn't say this, but even the Blaze, they, like, there, was, there was an article, Merck says it's 50% effective. I'm like, I mean, it's, it's like saying, you know, Wuhan Lab says that uh, they didn't leak the virus. I mean, what? Like, when do we ever do that? That they get to put out a press release and, and that we take that, face value now again my concern so much isn't whether it's 50 percent effective it might be but what it does is it introduces errors into the virus now that sounds really nice that sounds very heroic wow that screws up the virus but that's very dangerous too because you know what else it screws up good things too trial site news is a great article from leo is mulpervir is mul Okay, I'm going to get this right. Molnupiravir. Molnupiravir. Okay, I can't even say this stupid thing. A global catastrophic threat. Okay? It's a mutagenic 
nucleotide analog. It introduces errors into the SARS-CoV-2 RNA during its at the time of replication after proofreading. Okay, sounds great. But here's the deal: they're dangerous. They're dangerous. He so not just in terms of side effects. Think about what the vaccine did. They created a virus that they knew that through a vaccine they can make it worse and constantly keep us under their thumb. What if, well, the problem is now people are getting onto the vaccine and within the coming days, it's gonna be black and white that it doesn't work anymore. Meaning, even though they've successfully covered up the, the, the extent of the carnage that it has done with the side effects and God knows what it does long-term, but the efficacy is that you can't deny that. So now they're onto the molnupravir. The authorization and broad use of molnupravir is likely to breed very dangerous SARS-CoV-2 variants. Same thing. Assuming a drug causes an N times increase in frequency of non-synonymous mutations, that's the rate of the errors that it introduces. The frequency of simulations, simulation, simulate, the frequency of simultaneous mutations in K points would increase by NK. Apparently, molnupravir increases the rate of error 2.5 to 3 times for the range of concentration from subtoxic um, 1 uh, micro unit to toxic 10. Okay, this is getting very technical. But it does not stop replication immediately. Multiple replication cycles take place within each host under Malpervirnir. The unfit genomes are eliminated and the fitter ones. Immune escape. Higher infectivity are preferred. Exactly. Exactly what the vaccine did. This further increases the chances of a large mutation set increasing the virus's fitness. This is unbelievable. This is in addition to the concerns of the birth defects that are, there's already documented literature from this, this drug on the issues with that. Again, folks, I am all for a drug that jerks off on big pharma and gives them a trillion dollars and just actually works and is safe and effective and leaves us alone and we could use it outpatient. The government will pay for it like they do everything else and we'll be safe and done with COVID. I, I'm all for that. But folks... These are literally the same players involved in everything until now, including in cre creating and unleashing the virus, unleashing the lockdowns, unleashing the masks, unleashing the clot shots, the censorship, the witch hunts, all the stuff they did in academic journals. journals. Peter Darsik is the guy on the, on, on the committee of the two committees examining and investigating the origins of SARS-CoV-2. So there's two committees. There's the WHO one, and then there's the Lancet. That's one of the top three establishment uh, journals, medical journals, and he's on both of them. It, it's literally like Bill Clinton serving on a committee on a abstinence. He literally is the guy who created it. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is a very concerning point. Um, so this, this is a big problem. 
They th this Malprevernir could create the emergence of it. Again, I want to just explain to you, I'm not doing a good job, but it's probably better I do it than a guy who's super technical and knows what they're talking about. On a very simple le level, what things like um, Ivermectin do, okay, is they fortify the cell and they block the binding. It doesn't screw around with the actual virus. This is what this is the principle of everything from the vaccine to this. What you don't do is screw around with viruses. We really haven't cracked the code on getting safe and effective antivirals. And there's a reason for that. But what you can do is boost your immune system. Fortify, defend it. That's what ivermectin does and many other things. And, and, and ivermectin and many other things, even if they don't work for, for viruses, they, they're anti-inflammatories. The anti-inflammatories are more important because a virus is not really such a problem. This virus is no different. Most people get the virus and it's a virus. It's a flu. And we've gotten flus before and it's not a big deal. Okay? The problem is in the people, and you don't, and increasingly you don't know if you're going to get it, it's the inflammatory response that this virus was cleverly engineered to spawn. And that's where you hit it. We have tons. Like if you were to take ivermectin and then you know just the over-the-counter stuff like black seed oil uh turmeric that's a curcumin and nac knack pulmonary inflammation this stuff that alone you know before we get into anything fancy like androgen blockers or um you know other you know steroid-based anti-inflammatories there's so much you can do with that. So that's what I'm saying. I, I, all of us would love an antiviral that would go in your body and just screw up the virus and done. We would love that. It would be great if one day that could be created. We don't have such a thing. We don't have such a thing. Everything you do to screw around with the virus will create a natural selection a viral immune escape of survival of the fittest. Again, it's not normal that we have one Delta strain. It would have been one of many. It's not natural. It created a selection for it. And it made it, I think it's two things. It created a selection for Delta, and then it made Delta more virulent through the leaky vaccine enhancement. I think there's two things going on at the same time. And this is where we are, folks. We got to push back in the state. We got to have teams in place to fight in the state legislatures. We got to have that. We have no other choice. This is our fight. This is the fight of our time. This is so dark and sinister. I am not even giving over the half of it properly. We're going to have guests on the show to really delve into this. But this is where we are, folks, till tomorrow. Please send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.